Welcome to another episode of The Impolite Psychologist. So I went to school forever. And those of us who are psychologists went to a lot of school. And there were times where it just felt like it was never going to end. And some of us are very comfortable there, although it is stressful. There is something about it that you can get used to for long periods of time. And I had a friend that I met when we were both in our master's programs. And although we were in different master's programs, we um, became good friends. And what happened was she ended up getting married and moving away. So as a result of that, she ended up in a new place, in a new state, and the same rules didn't apply to her master's degree in the new state. So her becoming a therapist with her master's degree from out of state and getting licensed in the new state became an issue. And what she did instead was she just got a job somewhere where having a master's degree was all you needed. And it was a job in um, the science community. And so she did that. She went in a completely different direction. And I didn't see her for a while. And when I did see her again after she had been in the job for a while, she came back to town and it was like she was a completely different person. Now, mind you, when we knew each other well and were friends, we were both broke grad students and we didn't spend time on grand vacations or even really doing anything that cost a lot of money together. We mostly just spent time hanging out. And when I saw her, it was incredible to me, her transformation I was still in graduate school. At this point, I think I was in my doctoral program, and I was still a struggling graduate student. And she came with hair and nails and clothes, and it was as if she was a different person. And I think she even had a lot more confidence in herself than I had ever seen before. And there was such an incredible transformation. And I was happy for her. And at the same time, she didn't feel like the same person. And she was in a different space in her life than I was. I was still plugging along as a starving graduate student. Now, this is something that I thought about because it brings up all the issues and dynamics and relationships that get affected by money or lack thereof. So this is something that comes up in therapy a lot, and you wouldn't think that it does, but I have all kinds of people in various positions financially. And so one of the things that comes up 
is I have people who come in who are now in a fairly successful position and they are doing well financially. And one of the issues for them is that that's not where they came from. They may have grown up poor or certainly in a lesser financial position than they are now. And there's a lot of trouble for people like this trying to navigate their friendships. And what ends up happening is when a person comes from a certain place and they suddenly have lots of money, friends are not always nice to them and happy for them. That a lot of the times what ends up happening is there's sort of an elephant in the room that nobody is talking about. And that is that one person has a lot of money and the other people do not. And what ends up happening is things get weird and awkward because the person with the money is now ready to live the life that they've been waiting to lead and thus wants to go on the fancy vacations, wants to eat at the fancy restaurants. And for the friends who can't afford that, that becomes difficult. And the person with the money inevitably ends up treating the friends because the person with the money wants the friends to accompany them to the fancy dinners and sometimes even the fancy vacations. And sometimes that's okay, but typically for people who come into therapy, there comes a point where the person with the money starts to feel a little bit resentful because they are always having to treat their friends and their friends get very comfortable in this position and after a while just sort of expect it. And the next thing you know, the friends are suggesting more luxurious vacations or more fancy dinners or maybe you could buy me that purse or maybe you could pay for the tickets to that game or whatever it is that eventually the disparity between incomes does build resentments after a while and I do see that happening a lot. And then what also happens is that when people come into money and they have money and they have success, other people don't understand the concept of those funds not being unlimited. If you make a lot more money than your friends do and you eat at fancy restaurants and then you say oh, I can't go on that vacation right now. I'm going to have to wait until I have more money in the bank or wait until I pay down my credit cards a little bit before I can spend. A lot of times people get confused by that. What do you mean? You're rich. What do you mean? You, you can't do this. You have lots of money. Look at how much money you have compared to me. As if there is not a budget for this, that if you have lots of money, it means you have 
endless amounts of money somehow. And the concept of being on a budget when you make a lot of money becomes confusing to people who have less. And then I have people who come into my practice and will make statements, maybe unrelated to any sort of conversation about money, but make statements to the effect of like, I'm not concerned about money, or money isn't important to me, or money is not a big value in my life. And I think that that is untrue because I don't think that you can pretend that you don't have a relationship with money. I don't think that anybody can pretend that their relationship with money isn't important or doesn't exist. It does exist. It is a relationship in your life and everybody is concerned with money. Unless you live off the grid and you hunt and gather and don't interact with society at all. And if you are in that position, you're probably not listening to this podcast. So Casey Neistat is a YouTuber who addresses this at some point. Now he is very successful and has made it, but he came from a place of poverty. He got his girlfriend pregnant when he was a teenager and he basically had to hustle to get by. And as he talks about, he had to get government aid in order to survive. And now he has made it and he talks about the difference a lot between then and now. And people will often say, well, money doesn't solve problems. And Casey Neistat points this out very eloquently in one of his videos. Uh, I believe the title is Money Won't Solve Problems BS, is what he titled it. But he distinguishes the difference between life problems and money problems, health, relationship problems, that kind of thing. Those are life problems that everybody has regardless of income. But money problems are problems that cause those to sort of fall into the background. If you do not have money for food and clothing and shelter, none of that other stuff is a concern. The main concern is your concern about survival. And that's where money becomes very important. And as he points out, if he would have had a lot more money back when he was struggling, a lot of his problems could have been solved. And so that's the point. We all have a relationship with money, whether we like it or not. And some people are poor and struggle and penny pinch and worry and have fears about being homeless. And some people spend beyond their means 
and find themselves in debt. And no matter how much money they make, they will always be in debt because they spend more than they make. And the definition of wealth is living well below your means. And so technically, you could potentially be quite wealthy with a small amount of money if you live well below your means. And then we get into this piece about what people are entitled to, what is owed to them, what people owe them because they are struggling. And my friend told me this story the other day, and it really, it really sat with me and it bothered me. She told me that she has repeatedly witnessed when she goes into a coffee or tea shop people stealing from the coffee or tea shop. And she told me this story of a small tea shop where she has witnessed people walking in with a thermos, filling their thermos with the creamer that's available and leaving. So essentially stealing creamer from a small business owner and that stuff is not cheap especially if you have to buy it in large quantities and my friend also said that she sees people you know taking way more sugar than they would ever need and putting it in a bag and walking out the door and not buying anything and so then the question becomes what does a small business owner owe you Why do you feel like you have the right to steal money from a business owner's pocket? I don't understand this. This seems absurd to me. What if it's Starbucks? Does that make a difference? If it's a huge company like Starbucks, is it okay to take from them? Now, I see this over and over again. I see people walking into Starbucks and asking for a cup of water, thinking that it's free. But I see it so often that people come in and they get a cup and a straw with water. And that, too, costs Starbucks money because they are giving out basically free containers in this scenario and they are not making any money off of people by giving them free cups of water. But then the question becomes, what's okay? Is it not okay to steal from a small business owner, but it's okay to take from Starbucks because they're so big and they have so much money, so screw them? What is okay? What about when people don't pay me as a psychologist? So if people come to me and they don't have the money, am I supposed to give free therapy or perform free psychological testing for someone who doesn't have much money? Is that 
what I am supposed to do. And who do I owe that to? Now, most therapists handle this like if someone doesn't have the means to go to therapy, we will often ask people to pay what they can or less. Or a lot of times we have sort of a a rate that is the smallest rate that we are willing to take. For example, for students, I charge half because students don't have the means to pay me and I get and I understand the struggle and I get that being in school is hard and stressful and everybody needs somebody to talk to. But what about the people who have the money but don't want to pay me? Is that okay? What about the people who have the money and don't update their credit card and so I don't actually get the money or give me a check that bounces. I think that part of the problem is there's a belief out there as well that people in my position who are in helping professions should be should be kind and do this out of the goodness of our heart more often than not. And that there's an expectation that if somebody wants to pay me five bucks a session, I should take that because I should be a kind person and I should be empathic towards somebody who is struggling. And so where is the line here? What is the line? What do I owe people financially And what do they owe me financially? Because I think the nature of our relationship is already a little strange where I am being paid to have empathy. And that in and of itself is kind of a weird dynamic. And yet there are so many people that I feel take advantage of that and and feel that I owe them something because because they have had so many struggles in their lives. And so what is it that I owe them exactly anyway? And I've seen therapists do, in my opinion, bad things also with money. And I, I was shocked to hear that one of my colleagues... And I've heard it more than once. I shouldn't even say one of. I have heard it many times that my colleagues will charge more money to somebody who is wealthier and less money to somebody who doesn't have as much money. Now, in my mind, the client's getting the same service. And I think it's one thing to have your standard rate that you charge people and we all take less when insurance pays but that's sort of our agreement that we agree to see people who have insurance knowing that we will make less money and sometimes it is half 
which I think is absurd, but that's a whole other podcast for another day. But we agree to that. There's nothing in our ethics that says it's okay to charge somebody more money for services just because they have more money. I think that's kind of scandalous, to be honest. I think that's unfair and almost like sticking it to the man because fuck him, he has too much money, so I'm taking more. I just don't think that's right. So what's funny, though, is I've also had the experience of not charging people. One of the things I do And I think not everybody does this, but a lot of people in my field do this, is that when somebody comes in and you're charging them a certain rate, and then five years later, they're still with you, but your rate has gone up. Usually what I do and many colleagues do is we don't increase the rate for people. Whatever they came in with, is what we still charge them. Unless too many years go by and it's just ridiculous how little somebody is paying. That sometimes my experience has been as well with some of the wealthier clients that they're used to paying a certain amount of money for personal services in general in their life. And they are used to paying more for whatever it is. And when they hear my normal rate, they go, oh, that's it? They are surprised and they will often say, that's it? And I think that there is something here because there is a difference between the amount of experience and education that I have and what I charge versus, say, what a hairstylist charges. And sometimes hairstylists make more money than I do for at least per session. And I think that that is sort of a disparity in our society that probably needs to be addressed on some level as well. And so I would encourage you to really consider what your relationship is with money and how you spend and how you save and what you think is okay and what you think is not okay with money. Because money is another relationship in your life that maybe you haven't thought of in psychological terms. And you are concerned with money. Anyone who lives in a civilized society and participates in a civilized society has some kind of relationship with money. And it does affect you, and you are impacted, and you think about it more often than not. And so this is something for you to consider as you consider talking to a therapist, going to therapy, putting money aside in order to pay for therapy. Think about what you're looking for and the value and how you feel about money in general. 
and what your relationship with money has been like. Because a lot of people experience a lot of fear around money as well. Fear of not having enough, fear of how people view you because of what you have or don't have. All kinds of psychological issues are related to money and your relationship with money. Be well, and thank you for listening.